0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1457. Welcome to the new year.
1: Always do more, not less, and do things when you can. This is Cars Yeah,
0: where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiast, and welcome to Cars Yeah! I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest calling in from Vancouver, Canada, Alan Edwards. Since 2003, Alan Edwards has been a partner at Peak Communicators, a full-service public relations company with offices in Vancouver, Kelowna, and Calgary. He's been a career journalist, communications consultant, and lifelong classic car enthusiast. He began his journalism career as a reporter and feature writer for one of Canada's most influential newspapers, the Toronto Telegram, where he covered all sorts of disciplines, including municipal and provincial politics and criminal justice. At the age of 27, Allen was recruited to become a television news reporter. That led to a 20-year career with BCTV Global BC as a senior reporter, followed by five years at CBCT Television in Vancouver, as a regional and national reporter. Alan has written hundreds of magazines and newspaper articles for a wide variety of publications and produced more than three dozen documentary videos. He currently writes weekly features on classic cars for a variety of Canadian newspapers, including the Vancouver Sun, Edmonton Journal, Victoria News, and Old Autos. I'll be back in just a moment to talk with Alan, but first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars, yeah, possible. Winter's here and things can get a little messy. Rain, snow, salt, mud, dirt, and everything Mother Nature comes up with can hurt the finishes of your vehicles, both inside and out. I'm not worried, though, because I've used Covercraft car covers on my rides since 1975. Today, Covercraft offers you a total solution to vehicle protection. They make the best-fitting, finest-made car covers in the world and offer a wide variety of materials, colors, and options that protect your paint and the interior, too. Live where it's sunny all the time Lucky, Covercraft dash covers and sunscreens are the best. Got pets, messy kids, messy in laws, or just messy friends? Covercraft seat covers are the perfect fit and the perfect solution for keeping your seats looking new. And don't forget their custom fit floor mats and trunk liners. They are a must have for all your vehicles. Your cars, trucks, van, or whatever you drive will say thank you. And I've got a deal for you. During January 2020, you can get 10% off plus free shipping on all Covercraft products. That's right. Go to Covercraft.com and use the code YEAH120. That's Y-E-A-H 120 at checkout. That's Covercraft.com and use the code YEAH120 at checkout. Edelbrock has been the name in automotive performance since 1938. Edelbrock designs and builds thousands of the finest automotive performance products right here in the USA for both street and track. From their AVS2 carburetors to V6 superchargers, if it's more power you crave, Edelbrock delivers. Let's talk superchargers. Whether it's an application-specific system or a universal fit, their precision-made assemblies come in multiple stages for a wide variety of makes and models. Their V6 superchargers are dyno-tested and ensure the perfect fit and maximum horsepower torque. Plus added boost. You get huge power gains. I mean, huge power gains. Quality construction you can trust and backed by decades of knowledge, Edelbrock. Is a brand that provides you with proven performance, and I've got a deal for you. This January 2020, you can get 10% off, 10% off, if you use the code Cars Yeah at checkout. Just go to Edelbrock.com and use Cars Yeah, all one word, at checkout, and get 10% off. Tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Edelbrock.com. Checkout code Cars for your 10% off. Hello, Alan, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Absolutely buckled up and ready.
0: All right. So, Alan, uh, I'd love for you to say hello to the audience here today, the Cars. Yeah, audience, and tell them just a little bit about your career and, and how you got into cars before I jump into some of the questions.
1: Well, my name is Alan Edwards, and I live in Vancouver, Canada, and I've loved cars all my life. I can remember being basically hubcap high to cars of the 40s and thinking that the lion on the Canadian monarch uh, cars, which are the equivalent of Mercury's in the US, was absolutely beautiful. And that would have been about 1947 when I was three years old. So I don't remember when I didn't love cars. And to me, it was always art. It, It was an art form that expressed itself in metal sculpture and design. And I was always impressed with that, even as a little boy. And it never left me. I'm not a little boy anymore. So that's over 70 years ago. And I still love cars. Sometimes I just stand there and study them. And I've been very, very fortunate. My career was as a journalist. I started as a news reporter for one of Canada's largest newspapers in Toronto, and within three years when I was 25, they made me a feature writer, so I guess somebody thought I could write. And then in uh, two years after that, when I was 27, I found myself being recruited by television stations, and I took what to me was the best offer here in Vancouver to uh, work for the CTV network, uh, which is now global in Vancouver. So I was a television news reporter here for 25 years. And I now own a public relations company. I've been in the PR business for 22 years.
0: This is cool. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you. But as we start, I'm going to ask you kind of a new question I have here for my guests. See what we can come up with. Share something with us that many people don't know about you.
1: Well, I think a lot of people recognize me from television, but they don't know that my happiest times are are spent in my shop. I have my own beautiful restoration shop. I'm very fortunate. With everything in it, paint booth, hoist, cranes, radiant heat in the floor, skylights in the roof. And that's my happy place. (laughs) No kidding. I (laughs) I spend my happy times there. And I also have the privilege of writing every week for 10 Canadian newspapers that I've been doing now for 10 years. So there's well over 400 stories on the internet by Alan Edwards. And the great privilege is one that I think I share with you, Mark, and that is meeting wonderful people, learning their stories, getting to ask them questions myself, hearing firsthand about their connection with cars and how they love the cars that are important to them in their lives.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'm going to come up and hang out with you. I think that sounds like fun. You're not too far away from where I live here in the Pacific Northwest. I think I've got to pay a visit to Vancouver. Uh, while I'm up there, I'll stop and see my good friend, uh, Henry Reisner of Auto Mechanica. And of course now he's got electromechanica uh, electric solo cars he's building. But, uh, Man, sounds like you got life all figured out.
1: Well, you're most welcome.
0: Okay, well, cool. I might hold you to that. As we continue on this journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming the success you've seen in your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires spinning here on cars. Yeah, so Alan, take the wheel.
1: So my mantra is always do more, not less, and do things when you can so that I am the reverse of a procrastinator. I force myself to do the things even when I don't want to. And having been a television news reporter, there is no waiting for inspiration to do a story. The deadlines are so often and stringent that you have to do the story when the story is there, and you can't wait for inspiration. So Uh, The way I guide myself in my life is just get going and do it. Start somewhere. If you're writing a story, put the word D on the page. Maybe things will flow from that as opposed to staring at the computer or the wall and hoping something will fall out of the sky (laughs) to guide you. It just doesn't happen.
0: No, you know, I'm chuckling because people often ask me, how on earth do you do five shows a week for five and a half years straight? And what you just described is exactly how I do it. You just get up every morning and start moving and you just get it done. Um, Yeah, it's no easy feat. But you know what? It's when people always will say to me sometimes, you know, I, I just don't have the time. And I think, well, how are you using your time every day? Uh, Value your time and don't waste it on silly things because you'd be amazed what you can get done in that spare time. But I love that. I love that concept. It definitely has worked for you for sure. I would love for you to tell our uh, listeners a little bit about your current business and share something that has you excited and fired up right now about Peak Communicators.
1: So Peak Communicators is a, a public relations company owned by Alan Edwards and Ross Sullivan, my business partner. And Ross and I worked for the same television station together for many years. But he was a producer and I was a reporter. And I was very often out of out of the station doing my reports. I traveled about 50% of the time. And so the real thing that brought Ross and me together and kept us together was we played hockey on the then BCTV hockey teams. The team was called the BCTV Tubes. Now uh, it's global television in Vancouver, so they switch networks. But uh-huh. uh, And the hockey team disbanded two years ago, but I was on that team for 47 years. Same team. Oh my team. gosh. And you and still got all Ross- your teeth? Yeah, I do actually. I'm so lucky. I I played most of those years without a, with only a mouth guard and no, no face shield. And uh, later on, when I finally woke up to the fact that hey, I'm a TV news reporter and I I got to look presentable as opposed to coming on air with no teeth and looking like a softball all stitched up. I finally put the <laughs> face shield on and I got all kinds of pucks and sticks right in the shield, so it protected me. But that's what brought Ross and me together. And I got into the PR business after I left television news in 1996. And then I got so busy in the company I was vice president with, I brought Ross in and we found out we could really work together effectively. Our skill sets were entirely complementary. And then we started our own company in 2003. And it's been quite successful and We still are the best of friends and and wonderful partners. And we have offices in Vancouver, Kelowna, British Columbia, and Calgary, Alberta.
0: Very nice. What a great story. Well, let's go back in time a little bit and have you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. If you think back, is there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew that you were indeed going to be a lifelong car guy?
1: I think the pivotal moment was when my wife, the year we got married, announced, looking at my Corvette, which was then a year old, it was a this is 1973, and I bought a 1972 Corvette new. She announced to me that she wanted her own Corvette, but she wanted a little one. And I said, well, what's that? And she said, you know, the one that's on Route 66. And we, she was looking at a magazine, and she pointed to 56 to 62 Corvette. And I can't remember which one it was, but it was red and white. And then we were members of the British Columbia Corvette Club at that time because we were new to Vancouver. And the, the Corvette Club, gave us a whole group of friends that otherwise we wouldn't know, people from all walks of life. And one of the guys operated a Corvette body shop called Fiberglass Enterprises in downtown Vancouver. And one day he he became aware of my wife's wish and and he was a friend. And one day he phoned and said, Your car's at the border. And I said, What do you mean? He said, There's a guy from California that's brought three Corvettes up on a trailer. And he's sitting in Blaine, Washington, waiting for you to go down and get one of them. So I grabbed a handful of U.S. funds out of the bank and drove down to the border. And there was a 58, 59, and a 60 on his trailer. And so I picked the 60 because I thought it was in probably in about the best shape and paid $1,400 for it, which at the time was a lot of money for a reporter that probably made 1400 bucks a month. But my wife wanted that car, and she drove it for the summer, but it you know, it had a a really um, faded gold paint job on it and velour interior that was really faded. The car came from Sacramento, so it was hot down there and it had had done its thing on the car. But it it ran okay. It had a 327 and a four-speed and it made lots of noise. And she enjoyed it for the summer. But we said to Jerry, the car needs a paint job. What should we do? And he said, well, here's some sandpaper. Sand it down to bare fiberglass and then bring it in. So we sanded the ends of our fingertips off And then brought the car in. And being a friend, he said, well, why don't you come in on Saturday and help me with the car? We'll do do a lot more with the same money. Well, pretty soon I had my own key to the shop, coveralls in there. I was going in every night after television, after the show, any night I was in town and on the weekends. And I was sanding parts and things like that. And before I knew it, the body was coming off the frame. Oh my gosh, I didn't know how they'd ever get it back on again, but he assured me that they knew what they were doing. A year later, the car emerged in total show condition, and we still have that car today.
0: You still have that car today? Wow.
1: Still have the car today. It's been 46 years since my wife bought that car, and uh, it's about 50 feet from me right now, and uh, it's red and white. Gorgeous. We re-restored it six years ago in honor of her owning it for 40 years we did it in my shop to today's standards. And in 1974, the year when we finished the car, I'd become aware of fuel injection on those cars. And I, I thought that was so exotic that I had to have it. So Jerry Olson and I went to the Pomona swap meet in California. And by an absolute fluke, I met a young guy who wanted to sell a fuel injection set up the whole thing for a 1960 Corvette for 500 wow. bucks. So I came home with it. So, so the car has factory yeah. fuel injection. So wow. it's just been, it's all, I've had probably 400 cars since then. I probably restored 75 to 80 cars, but oh more gosh. than 400 cars have passed through my hands because as my wife says, I'm an extremist. I never do anything half, half <laughs> way. And yeah, I discovered no doubt. that I just love cars and I decided that I would buy every good car I could find because I traveled all the time. And I did. And when other people were sleeping, I was running around uh, BC, Alberta, Washington, Idaho, Oregon, and sometimes into California, picking up cars, going to auctions, selling cars buying them, and building a collection of cars that I loved. And now I have 35 of them.
0: Oh, my gosh. You know, this is an incredible story. Your basic career was something very different. We've talked about that. But To get involved with restoration, I mean, there's a lot of skill sets there. So did you just start that by just tackling things and asking questions and learning? Because you're obviously doing much, much higher level restoration than the average guy in his garage.
1: Well, first of all, I think I got into cars and love cars because of the art form. But the other thing, when you're a television news reporter, your reports are important on the day that they air. But they're not tangible after that. And I think I needed something in my life that I could put my hand on and say, I'm doing this, I'm creating this, or I've done this. And that's what cars did for me. Plus, cars have always been an art form. I am not a natural mechanical person. I've had to learn everything the hard way. But my wife and I built our own house back when we moved into it the year she bought the Corvette. I astonished myself with the things that I really do. I, I am... Tenacious and determined, but uh, I've got some really skilled people that work in my restoration shop with me, and uh, they are the real uh, artisans that know how to do the work, the body work, paint work, the uh, metal work, the fabricating, uh, the electrical work. I have a lot of wonderful help. And um, I facilitate all that, and I learn from them. So it's been really great.
0: Well, it's fascinating to me. Let me ask you this for folks out there that maybe aren't mechanically inclined, but they want to work on their cars and do things. What's one little piece of advice, a little golden nugget you would offer somebody who just feels like, well, I just can't do that. I have no idea what I'm doing. That might give them the inspiration to give it a try.
1: One story I wrote was on a lady named Stephanie, and she lost her husband uh, to cancer, and she was in her late forties, and she she was just beside herself. She told me she even contemplated suicide. She had kids, but oh, she wow. was so lonely for her husband that she was just just beside herself. And she used to drive by a, a rural in a rural area by a barn with a, a red car beside it, and it was a nineteen sixty three. Ford Falcon 4-door, red and white, and it looked so Mm -hmm. forlorn, and she was forlorn, and she decided that that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to restore that car, so she bought it, joined the uh, Ford Falcon Club, uh, met a whole bunch of people who were helpful to her, but she got on the internet and saw all the YouTube videos of how to do things, and there wasn't Mm -hmm. anything that she couldn't find on YouTube as an instructional uh, process for her guide to do the restoration so she did most of it herself including engine swap a lot of the body work uh she she cut all the metal and cut the metal out but had somebody else welded in and she's been enjoying that car for the last two years and she goes to almost every car show and the story i wrote basically said that the car restored stephanie stephanie Mm -hmm. didn't restore the car
0: this is an you know a fascinating story and the reason why not only is it heart-wrenching in a positive way uh, and warming, I should say. But I've had several guests on my show who help people with post-traumatic stress syndrome get through that by restoring cars and motorcycles. And what these individuals found out that is when you have something to focus on, really focus on, it's the same with I had a guest on who takes ex-soldiers who have PTSD on backcountry motorcycle rides. And when you're riding a motorcycle, you can't think about too much else. You've got to really focus on what you're doing, especially in the dirt on trails, or you'll crash or fall off a cliff, right? And by focusing and channeling their energy somewhere else other than the tragedy in their life, like this woman, it's a life-changing situation because they learn that they can actually do that and change their perspective in a really positive way. So what a wonderful story. Wow, thank you for sharing that. That is that is cool. And especially since it's around a car and bringing a car back. And while she was doing it, she was bringing herself back. Well, what a wonderful story. Heartwarming for sure. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've gone down here. I always like to ask my guests this question to share a big challenge or a big failure that you faced. And it's not so much to drum up a kind of a tough time in your past, but it's more about how you overcame the situation and what it taught you. So share something with us, would you?
1: Well, it all relates to cars. And I've learned so many life life lessons from, from cars. It's not an easy process to restore a car. When you buy cars, you can make lots of mistakes if you don't know what you're doing. And I think I've probably made them all. But there is always what I call a workaround. And that is, how do I make this right? Usually, it requires effort to do that, and of course, money, in some cases, cubic money, which is, is something that doesn't grow on trees, of course, but it's just a matter of buckling down and doing the work, the, the heavy lifting that it takes to make things right. I've learned a lot from cars. I've learned tenacity, I've learned patience, which I'd never possessed before, I've learned how to rely on other people worldwide. The internet is the most wonderful thing because really, I have friends and contacts all over the world through cars I've met so many people that I never would have met because of cars and I think the the lesson for me is you can't fall off the floor if you're down there's only one way, and that's up. but you've got to do it for yourself. You can ask people to help you, but the impetus has to come from you personally. So that's one of the life lessons that cars have delivered to me. I've been down a lot of times on cars. I've made a lot of mistakes. Oh my gosh, how could I have done that? Why did I buy this car? Why didn't I go and look at it? Or why didn't I look at it more carefully? But in the end, I've been able to get through that. And the life lessons that I've learned from that is get in there and get your hands dirty Uh, You can learn. If you don't know how to do it, ask somebody. Go on the Internet. Uh, Some wonderful person has put the answer on YouTube, and they will guide you by the hand. And I think these people are next to saints, by the way, that do this kind of thing. There is a whole world of resources out there and fellow enthusiasts that will help you uh, get through it. And that's the thing about cars that I think differentiates it from... Other pursuits. Everybody wants you to succeed. There's no jealousy there. People, the end product is the creation of whatever you're trying to do with the car. And the other thing is, which is good for you and me as journalists, everybody wants to talk about their car. They love talking about their cars because they're proud of it, but also they realize that these cars are part of our history. They're important and that to share that information about the car is really a joy. And I love to talk about cars. And that's why I write these stories on cars to introduce people in hobby to each other. And that's what you're doing. And that's nothing but a good thing.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah, it's great. Let's take a short break and share one or two of our sponsors that make the show possible. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSJA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green and I love Sports Car Market magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars yeah! website at carsyeah.com. All right, we're back. Let's have a little bit of fun. Would you share, now you've had an incredible number of cars. I had no idea you've had this many cars. What was your first really special car? That first car that you got that you went, man, always wanted one of these. And maybe share a memory you have about that ride.
1: Sure. When I was a young reporter, I the 68 Corvettes came out. And I can remember I was in Toronto and there's a place called in, called Yorkville in Toronto, which is back then it was the really, really great nightclub places. And I can remember being in Yorkville and there was a couple of people that I considered to be rich guys that had these Corvettes with side pipes and they were roaring all over the place with these cars. And I mean, I tell you truthfully, I would let one of those cars run over me just to be able to say I died that way. They, they they were just incredible, and I had to have one. And if, I mean, people that know me, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. So I went around to all the dealerships, but in 1968 and 69, you couldn't get a Corvette. Uh, they were the new models that come out in 68, and everybody wanted one. And, of course, the dealers were asking more than the invoice for them. And I was i was just a young reporter. I didn't have that kind of money. But I, I thought, well, I'll be smart. I'll order a 1969 from the dealership up uh, by our summer cottage because I heard dealers were allocated one or two Corvettes each. And so surely the one north of Toronto in cottage country wouldn't have sold a Corvette. And sure enough, he hadn't. So I ordered the car, a gold 69 Roadster with side pipes. And I was devastated three months later to learn that they that General Motors wasn't going to build my car. They built the quota, and that was it. I guess they were changing the model, and I wasn't going to get my car. But I worked for the newspaper, and every day I'd get the newspaper first, and I would go right to the want ads. The, the car ads, and yeah. <laughs> one day, one day in May of 1970, an ad said, Nineteen sixty eight Corvette Roadster, forty five hundred dollars in the phone number. And I phoned the guy who turned out to be a record recording studio owner in downtown Toronto, and he had this car with twelve thousand miles on it, even the original red line tires, four speed, three hundred twenty seven, three hundred fifty horse. Exactly what I wanted. Wow. And nice. um and he had to sell the car to expand his business. And I told him, I said don't sell this car to anybody else. And I bought the car. And I don't really know how. I mean, I didn't have the money, but there was a bank right in the building where the newspaper was. So I guess I went and did some creative financing, but I bought it. And uh, I really feel that that was, that was kind of the highlight because I so wanted that car, and I remember the first day I got it, it was so exciting in every way. It it was a beautiful May day that it was sunny and warm, and I put the top down, and I just felt like a king. You know, I just felt like my life was never going to get any better, and in, in some <laughs> ways it hasn't. I mean, life has been fine, but I don't think it ever got better than that. Nice
0: story, love it. Here's a very introspective question. I want to get into your head a little bit here, Alan. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested into a car parked in your shop not what you want to be but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle what would alan be and
1: why well i mean i'd certainly want to look good and i would want to be attractive to other people because i was a nice person uh not just the way i looked and i think that my 49 mercury convertible if i could manifest myself into something it's it's uh I've always wanted that car. I used to draw that car when I was in grade school, and I don't really know where that came from. But if you know 49 to 51 Mercuries, everything on the car is a curve, and there is no corners on the car. And being a aficionado of, of design, I think the design of the 49 to 51 Mercuries has always appealed to me. But the car is a particular color of yellow. It's a very soft brownie-yellow, and it's, it's, it speaks of spring. It speaks of country clubs. It speaks of weekend trips. And I think that's what I would aspire to. I love summer. I love the whole concept of of engaging with people. My family, when I was a kid, the big thing after church on Sunday was to go for a drive in the 47 Pontiac Fastback Coupe that my parents bought as their first car. And, and any time that I saw an old car in a garage, I would just beg my parents to stop so I could go and look at it. You know, I'm like six, seven years old, eight years old. And so looking back that way, the, the uh, Bermuda Cream 49 Mercury convertible with its black canvas top and its rumbling dual exhaust uh that's kind of how I vision myself, because I just love that car. And if I was going to be a car, I'd like to be that one.
0: Very nice. I can tell you're a true professional journalist. You have a very wonderful way with words. You took us on a nice little trip there. Thank you, Alan. All right, Thank we you. are entering what I call, so you're welcome, the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that old Mercury throttle. So here we go. uh, Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes over the years? You've touched on a few during our talk here.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's being able to engage with people. I was a television news reporter, and and going back in time in 1971 when I first got on the air, television news cameras were very big and very intrusive. Nobody was used to television cameras. And I might just as well have gone into people's homes or offices or on the streets with a bazooka. And I used to have to talk people into allowing me to interview them. And that took most of the time. So it was largely salesmanship. And But I, believe, I believed in my heart of the, the whole concept of sharing information for the betterment of mankind. It wasn't a hard sell for me. I truly believed that people should contribute their information for the common good. So if I have a trait, I think it is that I'm convincing. I'm convincing because I really believe in what I say. I love cars. So when I talk to people about cars, it's from the heart. Cars are in my heart. Very cool. If I could uh, wave a
0: magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be?
1: Well, I think right now, Jay Leno, I think he's the best ambassador for the classic car hobby there is. He is so welcoming. His uh, shows, uh, well not his shows, his uh, vignettes on the internet are amazing. He is so down to earth, even though he has more cars than anybody, I guess. Uh, But he loves them in his heart. And, you know, I remember hearing a story that he told about, I think he grew up in Kansas or someplace like that. And he, he, his parents let him come to the dealership where his dad was going to order a new car. And I think it was this 1966, it was a Ford. And as Jay tells the story, you know, the father was asked what kind of car do you want? Well, I just want a Ford. And Jay said, well, why don't you get a Lincoln? No, oh, no, I just want a Ford. Well, what, how many, what model do you want? Well, just a plain Ford. Ford. And Jay said, what kind of hardtop? You know, and it went on and on like that. And it came to the engine. And and uh, the old boy said, ah, whatever it comes with, that's all I want. And Jason mother said, Ralph, or whatever his father's, his father's name, let him pick something. So he picked a 428 engine. <laughs> and so this, this plain Jane Black Ford with dog with dish hubcaps comes in with a 428 engine. And I just love that fact. I mean, looking back on my life, my father bought a car like a suit. He'd, he'd come home, have dinner, and say, oh, by the way, I bought a new car and I go half crazy because it'd be a four door, it'd be light green or something like that, and I knew he could have got a two door hardtop or a convertible. It could have been red, so yeah. those are great memories. <laughs> Indeed, oh, so anyway, sigh. That would be my pet to sit down with. I just think he's an amazing guy. He's so uh, open and and giving in the old, old car hobby that that i think he really is a wonderful ambassador for the whole hobby
0: oh well my listeners know this i have wanted to get him on this show forever i keep trying maybe one day i can convince him to be a guest here but go knock on his door you never know i have many times i'm just not quite there yet but i'm gonna i'm gonna make it happen before i end this little thing i'm doing here called cars yeah oh my gosh what's the best automotive advice that you could share with us
1: Oh, I think uh, when a lot of people ask me, well, I'd like to get a, an old car. What should I do? And I said, well, first of all, you have to make sure that this is an old car that you deeply want, that there's a reason you want this car and pick out the car you want. Don't be all over the place. Oh, I'd like, I just like something from the fifties or sixties because it's easy to grow to hate these cars. They're problematic. Uh, they even just sitting there, they develop problems. So they can be a real pain in the neck. So make sure you are willing to put up with not only the cost of ownership, but the intricacies and difficulties that some of these cars present. But in the end, if you love this car and you bought it because you love it, it's going to be a very worthwhile experience. So that's the advice I would give.
0: Great advice. How about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you've really enjoyed you'd share with us?
1: Well, I really like Carol Shelby's book. I've read it twice. I I have a Shelby. I have a 68 Shelby GT500 convertible that I bought 32 years ago. Lucky me on that day that I made that decision to spend all that money, which seemed to be a huge amount at the time, but it makes the... um uh, Carol Shelby's life and history, very interesting to me, and the book is excellent, and I know there's a movie now, or a couple of movies uh, pertaining to Carol Shelby's amazing life. Not yeah. bad for a chicken farmer that went broke uh, and turned to car racing indeed. to make his living, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Lee, 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 Lee Iacocco's book as well, I read that, and I just found this guy to be amazing, the drive and vision that Lee Iacocco had. He was so far ahead of his time in his vision on where the automotive industry should go in North America.
0: Absolutely. Well, i remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources on Alan's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to Karjat.com, type in Alan. He spells his name the Welsh way, A-L-Y-N. Edwards is his last name, and you'll find everything listed right there. Let's take another quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You take care of your cars. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Alan, and I have a bit of a question for you. It's kind of a fun thought, but it can be a bit of a doozy, especially for a guy with a lot of cars. Today, I'm going to buy you a very special electric car, one that you can park in your garage. But there are some rules to this game that will make it very challenging for you, I'm sure. One is you have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here, but I don't think that's a problem for you. The other thing is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. So if you pick the most expensive car out there, you got to live with it. But here's the kicker. It's the only one electric car you can have. That means you can only have one electric car in your garage. What's it going to be?
1: Well, I already have it. And that's the 49 Mercury convertible that I dreamt of since I was a kid. And I believe that's the watershed of my life. But to extend your question a little bit, if I didn't have that car, it would be a 1936 Hudson Terraplane Coupe convertible. Why that? Well, when I was a kid, probably 12 years old, I delivered papers to a Miss Northcott. And in her garage, she had a yellow 1936 Hudson Terraplane Coupe convertible that she called her cottage car. She used to take it up to her cottage and drive it in the summertime with the top down. Now, this was a swoopy convertible with a low windshield and uh It just seemed to me to be the most beautiful car I'd ever seen. And I would still love to have a car like that.
0: Very nice. I like the way you transition there too. You know, I love the fact that you have the car of your dreams. I think that's so special. Very few people do. And the fact that you've pulled that off is a testament to your persistence and hard work. But uh, I know the car you're talking about, the 36 Hudson Terraplane, that is a very, very special car too. So just for today, we'll imagine that I can uh, drive that up north and park that in your garage. Alan, you have taken us on an inspiring ride. I've really enjoyed your stories. want to thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset and that beautiful 36 Hudson?
1: Well, I think you can make your own fun in life and you can make your own way in life. You, you seized upon it. The purchase of my they made a Cream 49 Mercury convertible in 1986 in, in Hollywood, which was a car that needed restoration. That's the car I've been looking for all my life, and it, was, it really became the watershed of my life. There was nothing before or since that I just couldn't live without. And the fact that that car sits now just a few feet from me makes me happy, and it always has, and it always will. So get the car of your dreams, make yourself happy, and enjoy life.
0: Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company, Peak Communicators?
1: Well, Peak Communicators is a Vancouver-based public relations company, and uh, it does have a website. It's called peakco.com, P-E-A-K-C-O.com. And my own website is Allen's Vancouver Classics, A-L-Y-N-S-V-A-N-C-O-U-B-R, P-E-R, rather. C L A S S I C S dot com. Alan's Vancouver Classic. So it's Alan with A L Y N.
0: There you go. I'll make sure I put these links on Alan's show notes page so you can check it out. Hey, Alan, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I meet again, I'll see you
1: down the road. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure.
0: You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the CarGat yeah! TV show, it's a weekly visit to some of my past CarGat yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, CarGat yeah! TV is making its mark. CarGat yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, FiOS by Verizon, or you can stream it through. Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYa.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up!